Hi guys, so after a year of traveling around, I'm, I'm back here in my old filming studio in Portugal, oh, where I used to do the podcast. Uh, kind of nice, kind of comfortable, <laughs> but strange being back a little bit. But I want to talk to you in this podcast a little bit, uh, this episode about some common points that are very difficult to open on the body for Qigong practitioners. Now, I know that um, some people have been asking me, <laughs> saying, saying to me, you're doing too many Qigong podcasts. I want some more on Chinese medicine. I want some on martial arts. I want some on things like this. And I, I'll get to some, I will, I promise. I'll do some at some stage. But I, I've just kind of, for the last year, really been doing lots on meditation and Qigong, mainly just because that's what I've been practicing hugely. Because um, during this lockdown period, uh, or the word lockdown period, whatever that means, it's on, it's off, the lockdown, what I mean, this, whatever, this strange period of life, of, of our times, I've just been um, focusing on that really, I've just hit that really hard, so I've still been practicing my martial arts, but really I've just been, all my mental energy has been focused on, on negong and meditation during this time, that's part of the reason why so many podcasts of this type on this particular subject, just because that's where my mind is, that's what I'm focused on right now, so I'll get back into some martial arts ones, but more when I'm back to teaching martial arts, I would have thought, because that subject to be more at the front of my mind when I get to there. So I want to talk to you about some common points, like say, that are difficult to open in uh, Qigong. Um, and these really are kind of integral to really getting your Qigong to work beyond the sort of uh, simple level of breathing and moving the limbs to uh, move the lymph and the blood and get your nerves relaxed and all that kind of stuff. But if you want to, which is cool, but if you want to take it to the next step, there's some particular points in the body that are difficult to open. So I want to talk about those. Um, and I also want to talk about what the nature of a point is, because points um, are different from what somebody might know as a meridian point or an acupuncture point in Chinese medicine, although they, they share the same names. They have a slightly different sort of mechanism behind them, specifically for Qigong and Neigong they're a little different. There's a physical component to a point as well as an energetic, if you want to call it that component, to a point as well. And I want to kind of discuss this. But first of all, I just want to put a little background to this because um, essentially some, one thing I do is I spend a lot of my time uh, traveling around the world, like I was just recently trying to find people who really understand these arts. Specifically, not so much martial arts, that was kind of my younger years really, that was focused on that. Um, these days, that's not very important to me. It's still something I practice daily, but I'm not really seeking out masters of martial arts. It's not, it's not in my pathway. So specifically, I'm interested in Qigong, Neigong, and meditation, alchemy, like finding people who really understand it. So I have my core teachers that taught me. I have my core system, because that's always wise to have a, a solid foundation with one tradition, one lineage, one practice. But then, of course, after that, once you have that core, I think it's okay to go out and kind of meet uh, real masters of other lines and, and other traditions that are parallel with yours to kind of get a wider, broader perspective of the tradition. I think the only time it's a problem is when people kind of do that and jump from teacher to teacher without having one single core. You have to have the trunk of the tree before you start adding some of the branches. So for years and years and years, I was really uh, kind of hot on these kind of one or two practices I did. But in, in later years, you know, in years more recent years, I've been going out trying to meet heads of traditions and see them. So when I meet these people, which are often done through introductions, um, and a lot of hunting and a lot of dead ends, and often a lot of money changing hands, to be perfectly honest, when you do meet these people, 
one of the first things I ask, or one of the most important questions um, that I want to ask when they, when they give me the opportunity to, one of the questions like that is I always ask, what is going to prevent me from managing this? That's what I want to know. Not how to do it, they'll share that with you anyway, they're teaching you. What is the thing that's going to prevent me from doing this? That's always what I ask. I don't ask about the goals. I don't ask about the end results. I don't ask some cosmic question that's unrelated to practice. I just want to know what are the things that are going to stop me. And generally, I found if I ask those questions to the teachers, I get some of the most useful advice ever. Now, from numerous um, Qigong or, or Neigong experts, masters, whatever you want to call them, the answer really that's going to prevent Qigong practice, and they even said what prevents a lot of people from ever really progressing, is that there's some acupuncture points, some points, some regions of the body that need opening that are very, very difficult to open. Oh, well, no, that's not true. They're not difficult to open. They're only difficult to open if you don't focus on them. You know, like they don't generally open naturally. You have to put some effort in. You have to kind of do some work. But once you put the work in, they're not that hard to open. But they're quite easy to overlook. And I think part of the reason they're easy to overlook or in my experience, what I found is because people don't really know often, like I didn't, what the points, what does it mean to open a point? Like certainly in the beginning, I didn't get it. So I want to share those with you. Um, and specifically, I don't want to leave you with a, <laughs> a mystery, is the points on the bottom of the foot that often people call Yongchuan or Bubbling Spring or Kidney One. Um, they're quite hard to open. I want to talk about why and, and how uh, we open them and why they're harder than people think because a lot of people um, would assume it's a very simple process but it, it, it take, you have to really kind of you have to focus on it to get it open Laogong uh, the center of the palms sometimes people call it perigardium 8 um, and you'll see different locations but uh, some of your center of the palm are difficult to open they're very hard to open the points around the base of the spine not specifically Ming men it's more general, the kind of regions around the lumbar are difficult for people to open. And Tiantu, this point here on the base of the neck at the suprasternal notch, the sort of soft bit before you hit, but the bit that makes my voice go funny before I hit the bone, like that dog that they used to put on TV in England and they'd squeeze it and it would say sausages. But really they were just choking the dog. If you haven't seen that, that won't make any sense, sorry. But yeah, it's that point there, that soft point that you um, need to open as well. So, if they open, if these points open, essentially they start to convert the body in a series of ways, or they help your body to convert. But if they don't open, then your body can still convert and your um, internal system can still wake up, but it's going to be a lot slower. So really, I would think for beginners, certainly for beginners or, or people that have trained a while that want to kind of revisit the foundations, it's these points that you want to look at to just kind of double check, are they open? It's very, very useful to kind of focus on this. For myself, when I teach, I get beginners really focused on all of these points right from the beginning. These are kind of the four things, feet, hands, bottom of throat, lower spine. That's what I want to open on people straight away because I know that those are going to be sticking points for the majority of people. So the first thing to understand with a point is that it's not the same, some people aren't going to like this, I apologize, but it's not the same as an acupuncture point. So I am an acupuncturist, so I'm quite familiar with how to work with acupuncture points, but it's not the same as an acupuncture point because it's not that small. It really isn't. It's not a tiny, tiny little fine point that you can put a, 
a needle into, they're talking about something else. So for example, this all sounds strange, Lao Gong in acupuncture is a, a little point in the middle of the hand, or sometimes they place it, they roll over the bone, different traditions place it slightly different places, but the middle of the palm. For Qigong, Lao Gong is actually the whole of the palm. Now I know that's gonna sound strange, but it, it's the whole of the palm, and I'll explain why in a while. Lao Gong is this, okay? They use the point name to refer to a region of the, of the body. The reason they don't just say palm is because by referring to the name of the point, Lao Gong Palace of Toil, they're also implying there's actually an energetic component to it that is to do with qi that's a little deeper than just opening your palm, yeah? But for all intents and purposes, it's the whole region of your hand. Yong Chuan means essentially, it's not a tiny point that's a third away back down the foot that you could put a needle into. It refers to the whole of the base of the foot from in front of the heel to the base of the toes, it's this whole area. Basically, if you think of the long bones, the um, uh, 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 tarsal bones, sorry, <laughs> that run through your foot, it's all of the flesh, essentially, everything that's between those long bones on your foot. That would be Yong Chuan. Now, I, I know that's gonna sound strange because um, a lot of people will assume because they use the name that they mean the tiny point, but they don't, they mean a whole region. This was something that was made very, very clear um, when I, found people who really kind of gone deep into the art. With regards to your lower back, I'm not even going to say Ming Men. Um, I, I do mean all of the sort of spaces between the lumbar vertebra. And then Tian Tu, I, I mean the kind of the soft point of the base of neck where Tian Tu sits, but also it's all of the connective tissues behind the sternum really as well. This whole region all has to release for, for Qigong. So let's do the hands and the feet first. Essentially, with your hands and your, your feet, with regards to your hands and feet, we have to understand that a point really has actually a mechanical process to it first. So everything happens physically before it happens on a, whatever you want to call it, a level of chi or something like this. You have to open the physical body. So with regards to the points, we first have to open physically those regions of the body. And when we say open, Sometimes people will interpret that as just relax, but actually it's more. Open is chosen specifically because <laughs> we mean open. It has to stretch open. It has to really, really sort of physically pull apart. And it is pull apart. It, it's quite physical. So for Lao Gong, for example, what we mean is between all these long bones in your palms, the carpal bones here that run through your, your hands, all of the everything, you think you've got all those sort of muscles and tissues between the long bones, all in here, they have to stretch open and pull and elasticate because your, your tissues are all bound up in there generally. Um, and if they're not bound up, some people they'll be slack, but they won't be connected. So what we wanna do is we want all those fibers just to elasticate and pull between the bones so they stretch out. So our first port of call is to open the tissues here and it's the same for the long bones on your feet especially your feet because you know we wear shoes that basically bind us up unless you born on barley and you you live in sandals all the time you're going to be bound up so the flesh all the flesh fascia whatever between the long bones in your foot just like on your hand that's the same has to stretch open so we want your feet wider so one thing that people find when they train with me in person for a while is after they do the system I do, the body changing work at the beginning tends to cause them to get bigger feet. Your feet tend to go up a shoe size. That's quite normal, which not everybody's very impressed with, but it's just because your, your bones are, are widening on the feet. We want you a big wide feet. So this opening 
um, aspect, physical aspect of the opening, sorry, of the points means that you have to essentially physically uh, stretch. So <laughs> I'm going to sound like a right heretic in Qigong for this, but obviously a lot of people would associate Qigong practice with relaxing, relaxation. Now, to me, relaxation actually comes a little bit later. We don't really relax at the beginning, especially not if we're trying to convert the body, we're trying to change it, because if you just relax and you just soften, then you don't go really go through the pulling part of the process. So one of the first things I get people who train with me to do is not relax actually, but is to take the center of the palm, especially the space between the bones, and just physically stretch the palm from here. So we're not stretching out the fingers as such. The fingers just stretch as a byproduct of what the palm's doing. And I get them to stretch and widen the bones and hold it at a point of stretch. So when they move at the beginning, the hands are actually pulled and stretched. They're not soft, because if I'm soft, I'm not going through the opening phase. Now, actually what happens much later on is we do relax the palms um, for sure, but only after the tissues have been stretched out. So beginners will be quite quite stretched on their palms, not horribly flexed, so everything's tight, but definitely so there's elastication between the bones on the hands. So <clears throat> essentially, if you think about it, if, you're, if you stress something, it changes, right? Like if you stress a muscle through weightlifting, it rebuilds. And it's the same with the tissues between here, it's the stress that changes it. So by holding it out, okay, and stretching the bones out and moving like this at the early stages, what happens is the tissues uh, start to change and they start to reshape themselves and they get they actually get thicker in there It's really weird. So like they stretch the elasticate then they get dense and then when you relax your hands After a while after like a couple of years really beginners spend a couple of years building their bodies Then you realize actually that your hands were wider than they were before like they're thicker Like when the bones go to close on the palm they don't like you relax they don't close quite so much because now everything in here is much more elasticated and thick and this is what we want and it sounds weird but it it's kind of the opening makes it denser and it's the same on the feet so for the feet it's very difficult to physically hold the bones of your feet apart like that isn't it it's hard maybe you could put spacers in there or something i don't know it'd be very difficult to do so what we do is we target our weight towards the bones of the feet and this is always one of the weirdest things certainly when i have a student who's trained with me and then they go to another school they always get corrected in their posture because if they're a beginner what i do is i incline them slightly forward so they're not dead upright they're actually a little bit forward in their their position now of course to most teachers they would say oh they're leaning too far forwards and but it's only slight it's like a few degrees but the reason I'm doing this is because what I'm doing is twofold. One is I'm targeting their weight towards the front of the feet. Because in Qigong, you've got three places you can place your weight. Well, you could get creative, couldn't you? But let's <laughs> keep it basic. You've got the heel, you've got the front of the feet here, and then you've got e evenly spaced between the heel and, and kind of the front and the back, if you know what I mean, like evenly spread weight. We don't want to put our weight collapsed into the arch or on the outside edge, but you've got heel, front of foot and these three points equally. Now, depending on where you put your weight in your foot, okay, so what I mean by where your weight is, like the mass of your body when it goes down under the action of gravity, which part of your foot is it going to? Now, if it goes to your heel, which a lot of people, I think, accidentally do this, especially when they practice something when the arms are up around, because you'll lean back to counter the weight of the arms and that will put your weight in the heels. To me, that's a little bit of an error because if you put your weight in your heels, what happens is gravity is going to go down through your skeleton, especially as you relax, 
and it's going to cause all your bones to close because if you go into your heels you can feel it like the line from your head to heels is just going to drop and all the bones will will just sort of stack on top of each other which isn't ever something i like i don't like stacking the bones because that implies stacking like gravity <laughs> down through that line so what will happen is the front part of your feet will not open you then have evenly spaced across the whole essentially if you're in your heels it means you're leaning back as well you're leaning back if you have evenly across the whole foot which is really heel ball of foot and opposite the ball of the foot whatever that's called if you have even across these three points that actually puts you more upright that's true it definitely stands you upright when you equalize your weight like that but it doesn't open the front of the feet because it doesn't put enough pressure there so what we do instead is we put the weight forward until the front of the foot starts to open now you don't want to be on your tiptoes definitely not you don't want to be on your tiptoes and your heels still want to be touching the ground but what we do is we adjust our position a little forward while we're standing until the long bones of the foot of the feet two of them <laughs> widen because as i put my weight into it the weight going into the front of the feet will stretch the bones out and target all of my mass towards the soft tissues in this region of the foot, which is what we call Yong Chuan, the whole thing. Now, again, it doesn't mean your heels don't have any weight in them, but it's about 80% in the, 20% in the heel and 80% here. And what it will mean is your body is inclined forward by a few degrees. Now, this isn't upright anymore. Definitely not. It's not upright. That's true. It's inclined forward, but we incline forwards from the quad and target the weight there. Now, the reason we do this is because all of the standing that you're now doing, all of the exercises, are going to press into those bones of the feet and widen them. This will help to open the physical aspect of Yong Chuan. So then the tissues will elasticate and stretch and pull and thicken in that space. And that's what's going to make your feet wider, because now all the weight time you drop your mass down and sink your mass, you're going to stretch the feet. After about two to three years, that's about how long it takes with a student, because it takes about two to three years to change your body in anything. Two to three years, whatever you do, it's gonna take that long. Bodies don't change that quickly. You know, you can't do it in 10 minutes because things have to regrow, things have to adjust, body has to adapt. So after about two to three years, then we put people back upright and we put them upright by putting the weight equally across the whole foot. And when we put the weight equally across the whole foot, now your body is upright, but Yong Tram remains open because the tissues have changed shape in your foot. So the implication for me is that a beginner shouldn't stand correctly, shall we say? They will stand correctly for what they need to do. And what a beginner needs to do is target the weight in such a way that will help the important points on the body open. So after a couple of years, then we will put them to a position that most Qigong schools would start with, including relaxing the hand a little bit more and putting the body upright. But now the work has been done. So a lot of the times, I, I guess there's always been a little bit of boner contention when students of mine go to other schools, because often even those people will message me, the teacher will message saying, what are you teaching your students? It's not very good. They were inclined forward. And I've had to say that A, I've got no reason to explain myself to you. And, and, but B, I am going to explain myself to you, ironically. But B, it's, it's about 
processes. And to me, it will take about two to three years for the body to be changed before we even worry about building the upright structure. Because I'm not running a school where I'm that fussed on just kind of getting you to a position where you're relaxed. I'm focused on getting you to a position where the body is changing as it needs to. So you, you need to take about two to three years to work yourself into the correct position. So if you saw a student who had been practicing for more years, they would be upright. But my argument would be those students I've met often, not always, but often, that have only ever trained in the correct position, upright, Yong Chuan's not open. Their feet aren't open because they haven't stressed it enough. Their mass hasn't gone down to that point, so the bones haven't stretched. They, they haven't opened, so that's my rationale. Those schools where the hands are just very relaxed at the beginning, like a fair lady's hand, which they borrowed from Chen Manching, didn't they? But you often you hear it in uh, Qigong as well. Maybe Chen Manching took it with someone else. I don't know. But very soft. It's not open. The palms are not open because they haven't stretched. They haven't thickened the tissues. They haven't grown it. So this is, to me, the skill of teaching, or the skill I try to apply, differs person to person, but one of the skills of teaching is understanding the process. The posture should be correct for the process that the person is going through, or the stage of the process they're in, and then that posture should adjust. Because you've got this great tool, haven't you? You've got your body weight. What an amazing tool, that if I just stand and release my body weight, it will go somewhere. And if I've got this big force that's dropping down the body, I may as well use it for something. So if I can target it to the front of my feet to help that point open, I may as well do it. And then once that point is open, then I don't need to target the mass like that. That tool, that mechanism can disappear. But at the beginning, I may as well use it. Otherwise, what a waste. Drop your mass to the floor and it doesn't do anything. I want to use every single thing I can. So I want to get that yawn trying open. The other thing with inclining the body forward a little bit is it takes your weight off of the lower spine, off the lower spine. Because if you stand upright in your body, actually, no matter how much you try to position your pelvis or, or tailbone or whatever, um, generally your weight is gonna be in your spine, it's gonna be down through it, because your spine is not actually in the middle of your body, it's on the back. So unless you're very, very thin, and a sideways view, you know, this way or whatever, then essentially your rib cage comes off of your spine. And this is why we have the, the, the curve or part of the reason, isn't it? To sort of counter all of that. So if you stand upright, and what people will do is line up the top of their head to their perineum usually, isn't it? That line through the body. It means your spine is back because your spine's on the back of your body. So if I stand upright, what I'm actually doing for the majority of people is putting weight in the spine that's gonna close it so the lower back is not gonna open. If I incline forwards, what I'm actually doing is making the spine upright, not the body, because the spine's on the back. So when I line up my spine, which is on the back, okay, then the rest of my body will be slightly inclined. This means that mass is not going down the spine, so the spine can relax, and also my weight is being targeted to the front of my feet. So what will look like a forward inclination and sometimes feel like a forward inclination as well, because body awareness is weird. It can feel like a massive forward inclination when it's only a few degrees actually is upright for the spine. It takes the weight off the lumbar, and of course, because there's weight off of the spine and the lumbar, they can open, they'll start to open, so your spine will lengthen. So people will find that they don't have to physically stretch their spine into a shape by just taking the weight off, targeting it at the feet, and releasing the back, then the spine will open up anyway, and, and all of that is taken care of. You'll sometimes get a bit of a bruise feeling, um, in the, the muscles a little bit around your back just as they change because they'll stretch and your back, your lower back gets very, very strong because as the lumbar opens under its own force, 
or rather we're not putting force into it anymore, gravity is taken off of it, then the tissues will reshape in your lower spine. You get a crazy strong back, which for a lot of people can be really useful because a lot of people have back problems. So this will make it very, very strong. So you can see with the body changing, I'm not really relaxing things. I'm taking the mass off of the places where I don't want it and putting the mass in the places where I do want it and strengthening and stretching everything to transform the body. So that's what I'm trying to do. So by inclining the body like this and stretching out, you're taking care of Laogong, Yongchuan, and the lower spine, or the physical aspect of these, and then the body will change. It's amazing because it's like your soft tissues, your connective tissues, your fascia, your huang, whatever, your wetsuit of elasticity, it's all uh, like interconnected fibers, you know, and like you pull one part, the whole thing stretches, like you've got a cobweb and you pull one thread and the whole thing kind of adjusts and moves. I think that's right. Is that how cobwebs work? I think so. Does in my head. But you pull one fiber, jink, or in your hand, or you pull the fibers on your entran, or you stretch it back, the whole body will open up. It's amazing. It's just like these epicenters will create a stretch back through the whole body and everything will start to open. So your tissues will stretch all over and you, you literally open, like physically, you become bigger. So these points become important for this because they're the focal point of this opening process. Last one's Tian too. So Tian Tu for me, actually, I shouldn't have mentioned Tian Tu because I think Tian Tu is so intricate, this point here, the suprasternal notch, that you could almost do an entire talk just on Tian Tu because it does an awful lot. It's amazing how much it does. Um, maybe this subject is too boring for people because it's, it's a very physiological thing. But if you want the talk just on Tian Tu, let me know and I'll do one, but maybe it's too boring for a talk. But essentially with Tian Tu, what I do is I need to hold the body, open the spine, and then release the tension here, which will unravel the tension behind the sternum. I'll do it in brief. And this will create space, which will readjust the rib cage. The whole rib will adjust, the diaphragm will adjust, the lungs will reshape themselves, because this is kind of a control point for the release of tension behind the sternum. There's a, there's a process involved, but essentially it's a release process here that goes behind the sternum bone. And when that tension is gone, everything rearranged, and you feel your whole rib cage open up and, and widen. And this creates space, or roundness in the chest, roundness in the chest cavity. So when I teach round in the chest, I never curve it, I create roundness, space in the chest cavity by releasing Tiantu. So these points, before I move on to something deeper than physically, were the points that when I went to Qigong teachers, they said that people were, had great difficulty opening or were kind of stuck points for people. Um, even one teacher said very much actually Westerners struggle with this, which is a bit racist, isn't it? Let's be honest. But this was something that was pointed out. Really. They struggle with these points. They're difficult for us to open. So it makes sense to me if they're difficult and a lot of people struggle with them, then you have to do something to assist those points open. You're going to have to adjust a little bit to help them. Um, and this is really a, that process of body changing at the beginning. There's a side note there, isn't there, about relaxation, you know, like, it surprises people when they start training with me sometimes. Um, they're surprised, but they get results, thankfully. Like if you say something that's surprising to someone and it sounds wrong, you can see in the head they kind of, they bulk against it. But thankfully, if they just stick with it for a short space of time, they then get results and then they're like, they're pleasantly surprised, you know, and then the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Because if you can show someone, look, this does this, and then they can feel it themselves, then they'll see the function of it. Um, so that's quite nice, but I can see like almost the bulk when you first say it to newer students, when I tell them don't relax, <laughs> like new students, don't relax, don't relax your body. 
at all in these positions. Just stretch yourself into the shape I want you to hold. Now that sounds weird, I know, because people say, well, it should all come from release and it should be an internal process of letting go and, and these things you see written a lot. But your body's not capable of doing it at the beginning. It's not capable of, of doing it. Your body can't release, it can't let go. So you're better off putting it in the right position because say, for example, I have shortness in maybe these muscles in the front of the chest. Maybe I've got shortness on one side of my body because there's tension stored here. So if I stand with a good posture and upright, then fine, but I'm using tension to hold myself. But if I relax, what will happen is those muscles will curve and this one will curve and I'll move into my natural position. That's what will happen. So every time you say relax, then the natural tightening, shortenings and incorrect shape of the body will pop up. And when they pop up, that will pull you into the wrong posture. So then what happens is the more you relax, the more you will collapse into this kind of posture that's not correct. So it doesn't mean you never relax, you do, but we don't relax at the beginning because really what we're focused on is stretching the body into the right shape. Now the only reason it's stretching is because you have shortnesses, tightnesses and tensions stored in your body. So what are you stretching? The tensions and the tightnesses. Now it's all very well to say, well, we should consciously release or melt those tensions. Sure, okay, but we don't really need to like not at the beginning, it's better that we get the posture. So what we do is we hold the shape and stretch it into the right position until that shape is built into the plasticity of your connective tissues, built in the plasticity of your muscles, your form, your shape. Because then when your posture is correct, then you can relax. Because then when you relax, that pattern that is stored in you is gonna pop up, that is gonna to come to the front. So because I've aligned my body properly, when I relax, I will remain aligned. Now, if any of you have taught Qigong or Tai Chi or anything, you'll have seen this yourself. Because how many students do you have stand and then, or do a posture or whatever, and then you say, relax, <laughs> and they go into a ship posture. So you put them into the shape and you say, relax, they go into a ship posture, and often it's the head dropping down, isn't it? Or leaning back or collapsing the shoulders, collapsing the spine. Now, the reason often that they're collapsing, and you say, relax, don't collapse, but the reason they're collapsing is because they are relaxing. It's not because they're taking all the force out or being lazy. It's because the inherent tightnesses in their body will pop up because they're not stretching them. So you have to go through a process of reprogramming the mechanics they have in their body. So beginners will stretch into the shape, target their mass to the right points and open these points physically. So you go through like two, three years of looking a bit ugly in your posture or a bit incorrect or a bit sort of held or something, but that's what's needed to get the body shape done. Once the body shape is done, then all of those other principles can become correct. So then we can stand upright, we can relax, and then we can start on this kind of sung process, this releasing process through the body. But first of all, I want a vehicle that's correct, very similar to yoga. Now, asana at the beginning, um, the yoga postures, Obviously, if you practice asana and you're very skilled, after a while, there's a whole kind of released connectivity process going on through the body. But you've seen beginners doing yoga, right? It's like, it's like pain and sweat and, and stuff like this. And it doesn't matter how much subtlety you try to put in, there's always going to be a bit of pulling, like there's going to be. If we deny that, then you clearly haven't seen a beginner's yoga class. There's always a bit of pulling going on and you're in a shape and you're, you're stretching. Now, as much as anything, I know there's deeper reasons for yoga, but you're stretching the body into these shapes to create the ability to have a normal posture. And it's the same as I'm trying to get people to do with Qigong. When I'm standing, just trying to use a little bit of power to create the correct shape before we relax. 
So it takes a while to build up to that stage of being able to relax properly without collapsing. So that's kind of the physical aspect of it, you know, the sort of stretch back through the body from these points. But then, of course, there's the chi aspect. So chi moves in different ways. Yeah? And, and anyone who's sort of listened to my nonsense for a while or read my books or trained with me or whatever you've done knows that I talk about chi in, in kind of two forms, yin chi and yang chi, um, and how it moves through the body. So specifically with chi in qigong, I don't talk about chi in the same way you would do in Chinese medicine. I don't talk about gu qi or kan qi or anything of these kind of things. I, I talk specifically about yin and yang chi, these two types of energy or the way it moves. So yang qi in specific, which is qi that moves in a linear fashion, but you can find many talks by me on what yin and yang qi are in greater detail, especially the one I did on the Dantian. It's a while ago now, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago. You find the talk I did on yin yang, on the Dantian, Dantian tribulations it might be called, something like that. I don't know, I can't remember what it's called. You'll find it on my channel. But if you find the one that I talk in more detail about what yin and yang are. But yang qi, weirdly, the way it moves isn't just by release. Like everyone's a everyone's obsessed with sinking the chi and like okay the chi must sink but to be honest that is a bigger part of tai chi tai chi chuan uses the sink in the chi to a greater degree qigong also sinks the chi but i would argue it's not to the same degree as tai chi like they're, they're slightly different mechanisms and what has happened is tai chi and qigong terminology has sort of crossed over a little bit and and become a bit confused so the chi does sink in Qigong, true, but not to the same degree, not to the same degree, because the qi also conducts in Qigong, which it also does in Tai Chi, but later, much later in Tai Chi, and to a different degree. So we have different mechanisms, or different emphasis maybe on mechanisms. So the qi conducts, and the qi conducts through your body, it's a funny word that I'm using, by moving through the elasticated tissues. It really does, you feel it after a while. So in order to get the qi down to the hands, to get, to get the qi to the yang qi specifically, down to Lao Gong and down to Yong Chuan or from Yong Chuan to these, essentially to and from the extremities, we have to open and stress and stretch all of these lines so that they become conductive. Now I'm using that as the best word I can because it's not literally like a copper wire and electricity, but it's not that far away either the qi must reach there. So if the point is physically closed, it cannot open energetically. Now it's easy to make the mistake of thinking it's open energetically because often you get a sensation, the bubble between the hands, which doesn't really mean anything to be honest, or, or the feeling of bubbling under the foot, which doesn't mean anything. It just means your nervous system is, is reacting to something you're doing. It's a little different from when the qi actually gets to these points. Because when the qi actually gets to these points, it's actually quite painful not horrible, not like you've been run over by a car or something. It, it's like someone's got a little acupuncture needle or a little needle and they're just pricking you <laughs> repeatedly in the center of the hand. That's what it feels like when it opens. And again, I've told that to people and they don't believe me because they think it's gonna be like a calm pulse or something. And that pulse will come first, yes. But when the yang qi gathers to a high enough degree, when it reaches these points, it's a pinprick. It's like a little electric shock going off in your hand and in the base of your foot. The foot doesn't bubble, it pinpricks, or you know, like a sharp electric shock, like if you just touch something and, and you just get a little shock. It's that kind of feel going off in the palms and in the, in the hands. That means the chi is reaching there. It will only reach there, okay, if you have enough chi in the body, you have your system for that, don't you? You have your qigong, you have your alchemy, you have whatever you're doing to build your chi, you, you have your thing. 
but it will only reach these points, the hand and the foot, meaning that it's flowing to the whole of the extremities, if they can physically open and stretch to enough of a degree that they will conduct the chi through. And this won't happen for the majority of people if they just relax. It's for some it might, especially if you're very young, because your body's not got loads of inherent fuck-ups yet, as it, you know, built into the body, unless you've been playing video games since age four or something. But as you become older, this is all going to close up, so we have to stretch it open to get that chi up. So the energetic aspect of yang chi has to reach these points. Now, curiously, you can go deeper because yin and yang have these rules of relating to each other, including a, a kind of part of the process where one will generate the other and one will attract and repel and so on and so on. So then actually there's a kind of magnetism that builds there as well that's way stronger than the little ball people obsess with. It's way deeper than this. But the first thing is the Yang Chi has to reach these points. Yeah. So then you have the lower back, the lower back, the lower spine. Same way the Yang Chi has to move through it. I mean, there's all sorts of nerve bundles in your spine, right? So there's going to be some kind of electrical kind of process in there with the nervous system energy and the way Yang Chi moves. So when I open the spine and lengthen everything through here, there's actually like a stretching process that makes the back more conductive and that area more conductive and it will heat up. It will get very, very warm, which is kind of those tales of the Ming fire. You can see where that name came from because all of the Qi will conduct through that area. And again, the majority of people that walk in off the street that have never done any qigong or anything like that, and they're completely new, they don't have any qi in the lower spine. It's, it's energetically cold, it's switched off, that fire is not there. So that process of opening up has to be there. And it's much easier to do that process if we can take the weight off the spine. Because how can you reshape something if it's being squeezed under <laughs> gravity? Can't, we have to take gravity off of it so that it can go through this kind of unwinding process and then the qi will conduct through that area. Tiantu is, is another story. It works in a, a slightly different way. It's more about the release of the qi in this, this chest cavity. But like I say, that's kind of a different topic. Maybe I shouldn't have included that one in this talk. So, if those points open, it becomes really useful. That's a really bad term. Really useful is not very helpful, is it? It becomes integral, really, to the transformation of your body at the beginning and the mobilization of the qi, specifically the yang qi, which is the most important qi at the beginning for, for qigong practice and neigong practice, it will mobilize it through the body properly out to the limbs. All of your kind of work where you're trying to use your hands to form shapes or build the dantian or, or circulate out, whatever it is you're doing, is going to work a lot more efficiently if these points, the hands and the feet are open. It's going to happen to a far greater degree. It doesn't mean that qigong doesn't work without those points open, but it, it's just way less, you know, it's like a Skoda engine as opposed to a Ferrari engine or something like that, you know, it's just going to work a lot more efficiently if I get those points open, especially with kind of Negong systems where people are trying to do things like get the Qi in the Dantian or holding these kind of postures or, or whatever, or alchemy or something like that, where they're spending a long time trying to build the Qi, build that battery in the body. Those kind of systems are going to happen a lot more efficiently if you've done the work of opening the hands and the feet, because now the whole system of your body, the Qi is open and the Yang Qi reaches its extremities. It also means that the palms have greater control over what's taking place inside the body. Curiously, it's going to help Tai Chi and stuff as well. I mean, the more places your Qi reaches, the better your kind of internal arts are going to be. So it is a very important process. And, and I wanted to talk about it because I think it's helpful, if nothing else. And I've seen lots of people 
trying to get Qigong to work, especially these kind of Neigong systems, but they haven't opened Laogong, they haven't opened Yongchuan. I can see they haven't, and they haven't done that work because they don't know they're supposed to. That's the only reason. It's not through any error. They just don't know. But if they had done this work, then the whole thing would work far more efficiently because if your chi reaches your arms and legs, then your hands and your feet, then it's reaching the entire of your body. Yeah. And as I went like deeper into Qigong and Neigong with different teachers and different lineages, all of the like the ones, what do you call them? I don't know, the ones that have got it, the kind of experts, the master, whatever, the ones that really got a hang of it, not your, your sort of casuals, but ones who've really gone deep, they all emphasize the same thing, you know? They all emphasize the same thing. And, and certainly the, the amount of power they had around these points was very, very strong. Um, there's definitely like an electrical magnetic kind of quality with the chi that's reaching that part of the body. So that's, that would simply be my advice. So to summarize, and maybe it sounds like a little bit of an unimportant podcast, a bit of a dry one, but I'm really just wanting to share what I feel in my personal experience is really useful for beginners or people who are really working to change their bodies. You've got to focus on Yongchuan, Laogong, the lower spine, and then Tiantu another day. But to focus on these points to get the body open, don't just relax straight away, don't just go, get, get as soft as I possibly can, because softness is not going to give you what you want in Qigong, unless you just want to relax, and then that's cool, you know? But if you want something deeper, softness alone is not going to give you what you want. Not at the beginning, you have to transform the body first. The body has to be changed to make it efficient to do what you want to do. And you have to change the body to be able to sung. Whereas I think sometimes people think you sung to change the body and that's partly true, but actually you can convert the body to make it more efficient for this whole kind of internal process. And those points as shared with me by many of the people I saw are Yongchuan, Laogong and the lower back, yeah? So hopefully there's something useful in there for uh, some people, we'll see. And I'm very jet lagged <laughs> after flying back here. My body's very confused over what time it is. But it is nice to be back on a comfortable couch instead of sat on a log in some jungle or on the floor or something. Um, so I'm going to go chill and uh, try to get back onto the European schedule. Thanks, guys.